Welcome to Wood Talk for woodworkers by woodworkers. Now here are three guys who put the fine in fine woodworking. Mark, Matt, and Shannon. What's going on? How's it going, everybody? It's episode... Hey, how you doing? It's episode 194, July 14th, 2014. And on today's show, we've got another single topic episode for you. This one inspired by an email from Christopher, and it relates to workbench vices. So we're going to have a, a little conversation, compare some notes back and forth about our favorite vices, but it all comes from this particular question or series of questions in this My email. My favorite vice is sloth. Sloth, yeah, I was going to say. Or, or fried foods. Vice is uh, a noun. It is defined as immoral or wicked behavior. I think a lot of people would say mine is gluttony. Could be, could be. I don't have any. I I don't have any. I'm that good. Uh, All right. So Christopher says, I inherited a, a some tools from my father and what started out as a cheap way to build an entertainment center. I mean, really, who wants to pay $300 for an MDF entertainment center has now turned into a fun and fulfilling hobby. The main thing friends and even some customers ask for are birds, which I use as a old metal basic or basic shop vice to make. However, my vice has seen better days and I'm now looking to replace it. I've done some research and I think my favorite is a leg vice, but Benchcrafted has them for sale upwards of $190. And that's just for the hardware. Do you guys know of a cheaper alternative or do you have a favorite type of vice? Since I'm still doing research on my end, uh, any info that you have would be greatly appreciated. Uh, Thanks and hope to hear from you soon. So kind of break this up into two halves. First of all, do we have any more sort of inexpensive suggestions for him to try out for a leg vice? And then we'll just kind of have a little conversation about what vices we have found handy over our time that we've uh, been using them. So suggestions first, cheaper alternatives. Now, is that one that he's referring to? Is that the Benchcrafted uh, lower cost vice that they came out with not too long ago? Has that been oh, released? Yeah, the traditional, I think is what they call it. Yeah, yeah. Is that what he's talking about? Is that even out? Probably, because that actually sounds kind of cheap. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's what I'm thinking. That's the their their attempt at going sort of an economy model, <laughs> if you will. Uh, yeah, there it is. Classic leg vice, 195 to 334 depending on the package you get. Okay. Okay, so well, that's... That's that's cool because that's similar to what I have. I mean, mine's made out of wood, but it's the same style of vice I have on my leg vice. So that little bit more comparison that I can speak to. Okay, all right. So what about the... the what is it? Is it Lake Erie Woodworks or something? Is that... Isn't there a wooden one that you could, uh, with a, with a wooden yeah. screw vice you I could I mean, purchase? I got mine from a guy that no longer exists anymore, but I think Lake Erie was uh, about the same price. Okay. Uh, I have to look it up and find but, it. But that's wooden, a wooden um, a yeah, screw. Yeah, it's, it's the screw and the nut. Yep. And, and, uh, so depending you know, they're on... They're not cheap either. I want to say you're probably at least around 200 bucks. 145. Lake, Lake Erie Tool Works is the what yep. you're thinking. And 100, 145 by, bucks for the basic kit. So you're not, not that far off. <laughs> right. Uh, f- uh, so I guess other than like making his own, uh, his own screw, which... Yeah. Well, it's interesting because he well, says the thing his customers are looking for are birds, which I'm thinking like decoys, like carving type thing. And in, if, in that case, would a more of a carving vice be a better idea? Like those carving screws that... Um, Lee Valley makes yeah, that right. actually slot into a, into a dog hole. You know, you fasten them from the underneath and it's just a big, you know, wicked looking coarse threaded screw that you put into the bottom of your carving block. So I, you know, that, that's an expensive version, the Veritas version. They make carving screws, you know, you can get them at Woodcraft and that's definitely, you know, I want to say like 50 bucks. 
Maybe it's more than that. It's under a hundred bucks. Don't quote me on that price. <laughs> I know. I don't know what I'm talking about. All right. So Carver's vice, it's kind of got a little uh, angle to it with a plate on the top. Is that what we're talking about? Cause it's 129 bucks. See that that's like the adjustable one. That's uh, like all fancy fancier. and stuff, which, okay. well, that's still cheaper than 190. What he was talking about. Sure. But, um, the, um, right. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. There's like one that just sticks straight up through the, uh, the tabletop or something keeps it pretty rigid. You know, what I ended up doing for, for my leg vice is, uh, again, it was a, uh, a Lee Valley version. In fact, I'm, I'm trying to get to it right now. It was uh, a tail vice, basically. It's a tail vice screw. And I use that for my leg vice. Now, I will admit that there are moments where it pinches and I have moments where I want to rip the leg vice off of the front of my bench. <laughs> but I picked it up for, it's it's under $40 and... If you take the time to create that, what, what do you call that little bottom support thing, that rod that kind of comes out to help keep the, the long leg vice from, from moving all over you? Like a guide pin. There you go. That's what I'm going to call it. There, well, I like that. The, the long guide pin or guide rod, if we want to call it a bigger thing, uh, that if you create that correctly and you get it to fit just the right way so it's not too big, not too little, not too tight, not too much friction in there, it's amazing how well it works. And again, uh, $40 and a little, uh, it took me about a day to put it together and it works for now. Although I will be the first to admit that I want to upgrade it at some point. Hmm. Hmm. Oh, I see. Just, to, by the way, just, just to close the loop here, Rockler has a carving vice for $44, $44. What's it look like? And it comes with a mallet even. Oh, it, a it actually, it mounts underneath the bench very much like a front vice would do. Hmm. Um, and it's got like a, a ball joint ish, um, rod that comes up to a pedestal that you can with a screw in it so basically you're still running a screw into the bottom of your workpiece, and then the ball joint thing is allows you to position that block of carving wood in any of you know from probably 180 degrees out parallel to your bench top to 90 degrees to the bench top nice and all kinds of other stuff like that um, there's even one more simple than that it literally is just a giant screw you know, i think post it's that yeah, runs it, through a dog hole 1395 at uh lee valley it's there we go. exactly yeah, what that, you're describing that's what i was thinking there's one that's really cheap and then there's like the fancy veritas one you were looking at which looks really cool all yeah. the way up to benchcraft it has a carving vice based on like the french one that you know of course is probably much much more expensive and you have to supply your own 12 quarter wood sure and it sure. always is really snooty with you when you use it <laughs> actually i don't even know that they make that anymore i think they may have sunset it or whatever you want to call the put it out the, to pasture. the good way to discontinue something <laughs> yes just take it off the market and say screw you people uh, i get it because it's a voice <laughs> all right so let's uh, so let's let's assume that he he knows what he wants and he wants a leg vice uh so let's talk a little bit more generically about uh, about this because if he's doing other work as well uh that carving vice is only going to be good for for that thing uh the leg vice is certainly going to come in handy for a lot of different things so we have uh three different woodworkers here who kind of approach things a, a little bit differently in our shop so we might have different needs and, and hopefully that'll be reflected in our choices in, in vices and things that we get the most use out of so i think unanimously across the board we could all say that we we do love and use uh, a leg vice a lot in our work yes Yes, sir. Absolutely. Yeah, it comes in, uh, I would say it's about 50% of my vice usage, maybe even a little bit more. Um, I also get a lot of use out of my my tail vice. And we were we were talking about this pre-show and, and Shannon was going to take issue with that because he, he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't get as much use out of out of the tail vice, apparently. 
Um, so, so maybe I'll just describe for me what, what, you know, where it comes in handy. Um, I actually, I mean, a lot, you got choices. That's the great thing about having a good workbench with a couple well-positioned vices is you have options. Sometimes Mm. if you're just doing a little bit of edge planing, you can certainly put that right into the leg vise. It's got a good wide jaw. You got some good grip there. So you could slap that thing in, in the leg vise and plane the edge as much as you want. Uh, But I actually find it easier to use the tail vise. In a lot of cases, sometimes I won't even use the vise at all. I'll just use the dog and put the workpiece on edge, assuming I could balance it well enough and take a few strokes. Now, if I've got a lot of these to do, I'd much rather that than having to loosen and tighten a leg vise over and over. Um, But but sometimes I will just use that tail vise, just, you know, bring the dog up just a hair, just to give me a little bit of extra support at the back. And it just makes for easy edge, edge planing for me. Um, so I'm curious what, what you do differently that doesn't result in you using a leg or a, a tail vice very much. Well, and, and you just said it, you know, I can push it up against a dog and I find that's all I need to do. Yeah. Um, right. The, the more, especially hand tool focus work I do, it sounds so stupidly insignificant to, you know, un to loosen a vice and then tighten a vice up again. It's like, what's the big deal? But man, it makes a huge difference, especially if you say you're working on a longer board you know, six foot long board, you know, walking down to the other end of the bench and undoing it and flipping <laughs> it over. I am constantly picking the board up, looking at the edge, especially say, uh, say I'm, I'm thicknessing a board and taking it down to a knife line that goes all the way around the board. I'm always lifting the board up and checking my lines, uh, running my fingers over it, feeling where I am on the board and to have to un to, to unlatch, to loosen. That's the word I'm looking for, to loosen my, my invice every time I do that is just, it's, it's tedious. So then I just don't tighten it back up again. And I just work against a dog. Um, if I'm doing a lot of that work, I'll put like a batten across the the bench. So I've got a wider surface to press against, but most of the time I'm working off a single point, you know, and you just position your weight behind it. And it just, it ends up being so much more efficient to the point where even when I'm doing joinery, I'm pushing it up against a bench hook fence and not even using hold fast in that instance. It's just that, you know, working against the force of the tool. Sure. And it, it, it's so much faster and you can constantly check your, your board. One of the things that I'm like when I was um, down in Texas, the real kind of epiphanal moment for me to teach in a classroom setting was just how different people learn things very differently. And there were guys that were experiencing the same issues you hear about people hand planing all the time. And the one unifying factor was people weren't checking their work enough. You know, you just kind of go at it with a plane and you check like every five minutes and you go, oh my God, I'm, I'm low over here. <laughs> I got a taper. And you don't realize, you know, that you're not exactly planing flat. Well, it gets worse. The more out of flat you get, the, you know, the more the plane leans, the worse that angle gets. And what was happening is these people were clamping their boards down in the invice to the point where that, you know, two seconds it took to undo the, the board and pick it up was too much of an inconvenience. So they just kept planing mm-hmm. and you end up with issues by not checking with a square, with a straight edge more and more often. So the more you get in the habit of just working against a dog, the less use you find that invice to be. Well, um, you know, I'm, the one thing I have with that, and I, I use, I don't have an invice. And so I do what you, you're describing there frequently, which is using the single point. But I oftentimes, maybe it's me, maybe, maybe it's my technique that I'm coming in too much on an angle or something. But I often have the problem where, regardless of whether it's a longer piece or a shorter piece, uh, it, it tends to, I guess, maybe it is me. Maybe it's my body movement or something. But the board will slip away from the dog. So suddenly, not only am I having 
you know, I want to push it forward, but suddenly I've got this board that's like slapping me in the side. Like, well, what are you doing? You know, it's kind of <laughs> kind of pushing me along. Where again, I don't have a, a tail vice, but I do have like one of those uh, Veritas uh, surface vices. Right. And so, what I like to do is just pinch it just enough. It's I barely put any pressure on the backside, so I can still kind of lift it up. It's just more or less a friction hold kind of a thing. Yeah. But it, it's enough to help keep that board square, so that I'm not constantly. Because I've even noticed that when I am planing, suddenly it'll it'll twist on me a little bit. That board will come to the side a little, and suddenly what was a straight plane movement is now a, a, a skewed movement. Sure, and that's yeah. the one thing I've always one reason why I always keep thinking, man, I sure would love to have myself a tail vice. Well, and there is a technique thing there, Matt. But there, sometimes you know, if you're skewing the plane heavily, you you can't really predict where the force in that board's going to go. So, um, you know, the, the cheaper alternative for that times that happens is just take a board and cut a V-notch in the end of it, mm-hmm. um, call it like a bird's mouth batten or whatever. You take that board and wedge the, the, the back corner of the board. So you start planing on one end and work towards the dog, right? The side of the board that's away from the dog, mm-hmm. if you take that V-notched board and just kind of bring it in from an angle so it's kind of cradling the back inboard this is so hard to describe the back inside corner and then just whack that down with a hold fast it will hold the board firmly um and that's pretty much the same thing you're getting with the um the invice but a hell of a lot cheaper to install (laughs) and a lot cheaper to make another Um, area for me where where i think the tail vice really comes in handy is venturing into power tool use and that's routers so whenever I'm doing yeah. certain router tasks, uh, a lot of times all you need is just a little something to hold the board. I don't need a whole lot of downward force, just a little something so it's not sliding around. And really nothing does that better than a couple of dogs well well placed and just a little bit of pressure. Um, so for me with router work is where a lot of that tail vice action is coming from as well. Oh, heck yes. Yeah. I was thinking about that too, about why, you know, because when I, when I built my Rubo and I've got the fancy benchcrafted invice on there and at the time i was thinking i'm definitely going to need this and when i when i traverse a board when i'm um, milling it by hand and working across the grain that uh, invice tail vice wagon vice whatever you want to call it holds firmly enough that i can work directly across the grain um, but you also can just use a wooden batten to do that um, but then if i were doing router work or something like that that will come in handy so it's not that i don't use my invice anymore but Whereas, what did you say, Mark? Like fifty percent? I would say I would say about vice? fifty. Yeah, I'm probably eighty-five to ninety percent leg vice, and okay. the rest of it would be in vice, just right. for that reason. It, it gets used. There's no question, but um, just not as much anymore. A lot less than I thought I would use it. Sure, it's sure. all leg vice. Doing all my work now. All right. Well, Matt, I know you had mentioned that you have some love for the Mox and Vice, and my yes. first my first workbench had a Veritas twin screw on it, which is very cool. I mean, it's a really good vice and I know a lot of people who have them and and love them. Um, I just don't know what it was, something about it. I just didn't really get as much use out of it as I should have. And it reminds me a lot of, of the Moxon. And so I'm curious, what is it that you like about the Moxon? What's it do for you that other vices aren't doing for you? Well, number one, the, the big thing for me is the fact that I use it primarily for a lot of detail work. So this would be uh, cutting, say, dovetails, uh, maybe even cutting tenons or something like that. I just love the fact that it, one, it holds on to the workpiece uh, better than any vice I have. I Sure, my leg vice is deep enough that I can actually maybe put a piece in there, 
uh, and go to town on it, say, with doing the dovetail work or something like that. But typically the leg vise, because there's that screw right there in the middle, it doesn't always hold the board all the way across. So potentially I could have one edge that's closer to the middle of the of the leg vise, and then I have the other one that's on the outside. I've never had a major issue with it, but there have been uh, occasional where perhaps the the leg vise itself has come loose a little bit. So now suddenly I notice that the pieces. Uh, it's shaking a little bit more. It's got a little bit more vibration as I'm trying to make my cuts. So now I have to stop and either tighten it down or just simply maybe I'm, I'm almost at the end of the cut. So I'll just compensate for it. And of course, trying to do that, the cut never comes out well. So well, number one. Let, let me interrupt I, you for a second. I don't, yes. I don't know that we, we've never really described a Moxon vice. So just in case okay. people don't know what it is, can you describe what it looks like what, and what it is so they understand what, what advantages it's imparting? Okay, uh, so a, a Moxon vise is basically, it's two, we'll say kind of a longer boards. In fact, mine come in at approximately, we'll say 36 inches in length. And it's really more or less, you're sandwiching uh, the material between those two boards, which happen to have two hand cranks on either side. So it's a, a, a dual um, clamping system, more or less. Is yeah. that right what I want to I use there? It's very much like what you're describing with your twin vise. Mm-hmm. Uh, the twin screw vice. That's more or less exactly what this is doing. And is yours? Except it sits on top. I was just going to say yours is. It's not integrated. It's an add-on. Exactly. Yeah. This is something that you can take on and off of the workbench as needed. And again, like I said, the the big thing for me is getting it up onto the bench and raising it up higher. And I feel like number one, I have a lot more control. And number two, everything's it's right at eyesight, so I can really see if you know if I'm deep enough because. I don't know about you guys, but occasionally uh, there's been moments where I'm doing a cut. Again, we'll use a dovetail as an example where I think, oh, I must be very close to the bottom of that cut. And then when I actually get down there and look, I'm like, oh, well, I went through the bottom of the cut like about two strokes ago. (laughs) Nice. So that's a big one for me. And then on top of it, sometimes I've used it for a little bit of carving that I'm doing, any type of chisel work. Again, it kind of gets it up and it holds it really, really snug in the vice uh, in between the, the two faces. So that's that's been my big thing is I feel like it's just that anything, anytime I'm doing any type of cross cutting or something like that, yeah. cross cutting, yeah, kind of on the, on the length, um, it just, it's, it's worked fantastic. Now I know a lot of people, they're like, again, that's what I have a leg vice for or that's what, you know, my tail vice can kind of hold things. But for me, it's just like, it's awesome. Sometimes when, when I can get a board in there in my tail vice and I could drop it through, that's some of the best sawing that I that I ever do when the work is being you mean gripped, vertically. Yeah, when yeah. When it, when, when it's, the, yeah. exactly when it's dropped yeah. in vertically, gripped from the sides. Mm-hmm. For some reason, there's something about that that is so freaking stable. Like it just feels really, really good to cut on something that's gripped that way. But of course, not every board is is going to fit in the confines of that that cavity that's there. Right. Yeah. Because for me, that's it's the leg vice would be my only other option. And like I said, there there's times. When you do, you drop something in there vertically and you'll notice immediately once that first cut starts to go, you're like, oh, it's got some nasty vibration in there. Yeah. This is going to be a little bit worse than I thought it was. Well, you know, that, that brings up an interesting point because all three of us are essentially of the French workbench bent, mm-hmm. um, you we know, mean. and there's there's English workbench aficionados out there screaming at us right now saying twin screw vice, twin screw vice, screw your leg vice. <laughs> um, and. I essentially I have a Moxon as well, Matt, but I integrated it into my joinery bench. So essentially, it's now a twin screw vise, yeah, um, because it, it's built in to the bench top. Right, and that thing, you're right, is awesome. It is awesome. I do most of my joinery work 
at that bench now. It's a combination of the incredible holding power of twin screws, but also being set up really high. Right. Um, you know, the, my joiner bench is a dovetailing machine mainly because it's, it's like perfect height, you know, and you can see your cut lines and you, what you said earlier is good. You don't notice your pasture line like three cuts after you went past it. <laughs> right. um, so, you know, there's something to be said about a twin screw vice on, you know, on a normal bench at, at, a, at a lower height. So, you know, it's going to have incredible holding power like a leg vise. The only thing, see, I just don't have enough experience working on a twin screw vise like that. Um, I still feel like you get more surface area with a leg vise, mm-hmm. um, vertically, I mean. There is definitely, yeah, a limitation between uh, between the two of them. And I, I often wonder is if it got too far if you had, if it was too long, you had too much space in between it. How much less clamping power would you have from it? You know, would would the piece, regardless of how thick it is, the two jaws would, would it kind of bend a little bit there in the center? And then yeah, one problem I, I've run into, and, and uh, might just be me just playing around with things, but occasionally there's that whole issue with it kind of racking a little bit. So as you start tightening yeah. one, if you don't do the other one equally, or you know, go, go in at the same depth or something, it, you suddenly notice that it's not holding just the right way. And, and it could potentially you know, put a little extra pressure on one edge. I don't know, crush an edge or something. I haven't had that problem yet, mm. but I'm sure somebody out there probably is like, yeah, well, you should have tried this. <laughs> <laughs> well, here's the thing. In, in to our original point here where he's talking about, you know, balking a little bit, $190, I can guarantee you a twin screw vice is going to be more expensive. I mean, because you're essentially taking, you know, whether you go with a wooden screw, what do we say? 140 some dollars. Now multiply that by two. um, And that's what it's going to be. And you're right. You need a pretty heavy duty chop in there. I've got 25 inches between screws on my Moxon and it's a full two inches thick piece of Sapili. So it's pretty heavy, dense wood, but I had to go with 10 quarter stock to get that. You know, eight quarter wasn't thin enough, wasn't thick enough rather. So there's there's some money sunk into getting the chop. So if if you know if money were no object, I would say you know you could experiment. But seeing as we are talking about 190 bucks being ooh that's a bit that's a bit steep, you know twin screw just may not be the option. Um, Two twenty nine. However, uh, what is the mox and the benchcrafted mox and running for these days? It's not that much. Um, I had that page up somewhere. Well, here's Boxing. here's a question. Do you think it's an advantage or disadvantage to have the two uh, the two screws on both ends operating independently versus what the twin screw vice does? I know you can disengage it, but it's meant to be connected with a chain so that you actually only have to spin one of those things. Uh, whereas right. the Moxon, they can kind of become out of sync with one another. Well, I actually like that feature um, because the the holes in the chop of a moxin vise are slightly elongated. So you can – you certainly can rack that front jaw, but you're really out of sync in yeah. those screws. So it is actually real easy to hold unusually shaped things. And, and that extra give, um, most of the time, I've got one side cinched up tighter than the other anyway. And, you know, say I'm using a six inch wide board. Well, I'm down on one end, say the right hand side near that screw and the left hand screw on the opposite end, it's cinched down a lot tighter. So say the chop is a good quarter of an inch closer to the bench on that side. Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of flexibility and it won't really jam up on you until you go really, really rack it. Okay. So I actually find that to be a real advantage. Um, At the same time, though, if you're clamping something really, really thin kind of lengthwise, Say you're going to plane the edge of the board and you've only got like one inch of the board in the vice chop, it will also rack vertically, like tilt away from the bench oh, top. 
Right. Um, it'll still hold, but you got to crank down a little bit more and you don't have that really firm feel. Okay. So the Moxon really works best when you pass the board vertically all the way through it. Um, but again, you know, Moxon is, it's a dovetailing machine. That's really what, you know, uh, I think probably what Joseph Moxon was intending it for when, when he came up with the idea. Now you had asked how much it is, uh, over at Benchcrafted, they have, just the uh, uh, the ra- the rods and the handles themselves, everything that you would need to create your own, the the, the metalwork itself to create your own. That's one hundred and forty nine, or for three ninety nine, uh, they'll make one for you. And you've right. got uh, two twenty nine on a standard twin screw vise of Veritas, and uh, right. two thirty nine for the one that's up to twenty four inch on center. Uh, and you know, I'll, I'll say the my experience with the twin screw. I think part of it could have been the installation part of it, you know, because I installed it. I was only a couple years into woodworking at the time, so certainly could have installed it better. Uh, but I always had issues with the one of them slipping. So even the, like you can disengage the chain so it doesn't turn the other one. Well, it would disengage on its own. So then as I'm turning it, I'm like, darn it, this thing is, you know, it came off again. So I always had these issues. And because of the way the handle was built is a high wear item that the, uh, the, the, the bolt that would go through the little handle started to loosen up all the time. So I always had just, it was little nitpicky issues. And I don't even think my issues were so much the true basic functionality of the vice. It was just these little nitpicky things that I just didn't, I got sick of dealing with all the time. And that's why I have these bad associations with that vice. I think it taints my view of it. So I want to know if anybody is, I'm sure we have people who listen, who love the twin screw vice. Give us some kickback on this one. Let us know why you favor that vice over other types that are out there. Well, I was going to say, they seem universally, like a- people seem to like the Lee Nielsen twin screw over the Veritas for some of those reasons now, uh-huh. um, which is 285, by the way. I don't remember what you said for the Lee Valley one. But 229 and 239. All right. Yeah. So, yeah, I want to say, for some reason, I think the. The 21st century uh, workbench, Bob Lang, he has one on there. And I seem to remember in that video, there was some conversation about how to get it set up the right way. And he even talks a little bit about, I might be wrong, trying to go back in and and remember that one. But it seems like even some of the the big, the the videos that have been out there where they show that one incorporated into the workbench design, there typically is a little bit of a discussion about the pros and cons of the twin vice. Okay. Well, the the last thing that I'll say is there if you were to Google Mox advice, you're gonna find a lot of do-it-yourself videos out oh, yeah. there. Yep. Um, and we were essentially talking about two pieces of wood and a couple of threaded rods and a nut. Um and there are so we're we're talking about 150 bucks to buy the hardware from Benchcrafted. You know, if you are of the more DIY bent, um, you can make a pretty high quality one. Heck, Christopher Schwartz toured the country making wooden ones for a couple of years before Benchcrafted came out with this version. So there are certainly ways to go a lot cheaper on uh, what I I and I think Matt would agree with me is a pretty essential, if not primary vice on your bench, something to have around that you can pull out when you need it. Right. Sure. Uh, the question I wanted to ask you guys is, have you ever used, you probably have, I think every woodworker has, how about metal vices? Um, the Ooh. ones that are sort of like all self-contained, you just uh, bolt it into the underside of the bench, maybe give it a, a nice wider jaw, put a nice wood, um, supplementary wood jaw on it. A lot of them are quick release, yep. which is kind of nice. That's actually one thing that uh, that I really miss about that type of vice. And I think is advantageous to that type of vice is being able to just kind of pull this lever and boom, the whole thing comes out for any thickness you want. Do you think, is this something where we get 
I don't want to say like woodworking snobbery, but it seems like the deeper you get into the craft, the more you go toward more traditional work holding. Yeah. Um, That's a really thing. good so, point, though. But yeah. it is it is snobbery. Let's it is. Yes, it I is. was just going to agree with you on that. It, like it, it pretty much. I have a small one that I do kind of use as a quote unquote kind of a tail voice, but it's the worst tail voice that you could ever have. But there are moments where I feel like I can really clamp really, really tighten it. But the problem is all those dang rods and, and yeah, screws are in the way. Yeah, really get in the way. Yeah. Okay. So that, that's really, I mean, there is a functional issue that we, that we do have as, as woodworkers trying to get things done. It's not just snobbery. It's, you know, functionality. Those bars get in the way. Uh, yeah, if you do I found put, racking is more of an issue with those too. Yes. Well, uh, yeah, yeah, and that's the thing. Um, I know uh, David Marks has his workbench. If uh, you've ever seen Woodworks, you've probably admired it. Uh, he's got his end vise is basically uh, built around one of these quick release metal vices. Uh, but you have an issue then where the jaws of the metal vise are only so big. Let's say they're, I don't know, eight to 10 inches, a pretty large one. Well, the workbench is going to be much wider than that. So if you put jaws that are the, the width of the workbench, the depth of the workbench, uh, that's actually going to have a lot of opportunity for racking and you're not going to get much clamping power toward the outside edges. All the clamping power is going to be focused in the middle. So I guess, I guess that's the reason I went away from them is because I felt that they were pretty limiting in what I could do with them. Yeah, we've got... Um call them vintage versions of them on the two German workbenches at the museum. And they are constantly the bane of my existence. They don't hold a damn thing. <laughs> really? Everything's always slipping. And, you know, we're talking about a, a, obviously a hand tool only shop. So you forget just how much pressure is put on that piece when you run, especially in grain. If you try to clamp a piece vertically and you run a block plane over the in grain, it's constantly slipping, sawing a tenon, always slipping on me. So then I'm rooting around for like little blocks of wood to put on the other side of the vise. Um, and that's just another headache. Yeah. So yeah, I just, I've had nothing but negative experiences with those. So yes, I'm a snob and proud of it. <laughs> do, do you find yourself yelling at them since they're German made going, du bist ein Dummkopf? Yeah. And other <laughs> colorful German expressions. <laughs> um, nice. Before we get too far away, that Batten thing I was talking about earlier, I'm going to drop, I did drop a link in the show notes here to the English woodworker who does a really cool video on how that V-notch Batten works. Hmm, okay. um, just because I know I didn't describe it and do it justice. And it's a stupid, simple way to hold really, really well in a lot of great situations. Cool. That's good. Um, all right. So anything else that we missed? I'm sure there's a lot in the world of work holding and uh, different types for different you know, different woodworkers and different ways to get things done. So I'm sure we missed quite a bit, but anything major in terms of like broad classification of vices that one might put on their bench? The one thing that I always tell, because obviously I get this question a lot in the hand tool school is, um, and this is this is borrowing heavily from Christopher Shores and his original workbook book, the, the blue one. Oh, that's so um, good. Yeah, let's recommend well, that's, that's that too. The first thing, buy <laughs> but, that book. Yeah, let's um, put a link to that because that will make you understand uh, why a particular vice needs to do a certain exactly. thing. Exactly, and the checklist of going through. Chris has a great way of breaking down. Kind of here's the leg vice. Here's what the leg vice does really, really well. Here's what it does kind of second really well, third really well, and he breaks it into different woodworking tasks. So you need to look at your own work and say, hey, I cut a lot of dovetails. You know, or I cut a lot of tenons, or I don't cut tenons by hand. I do those on a table saw. Think about what you do and then pair that with what the vices do really well. Like the best, because when that, that book came out, the whole Moxon vice, I don't want to say it wasn't discovered because obviously Joseph Moxon is 
been dead for a couple centuries, but it was brought back onto the scene by Christopher Schwartz after that book came out. Mm-hmm. So the the you know undisputed dovetailing vice winner was a shoulder vice, which we didn't even talk about that. Um, that was the best way to hold dovetails, but it kind of sucked and everything else. Right. So it was like, well, if you're going to do anything other than dovetails, maybe don't put a shoulder vice on. And it really gives you a good way to kind of prioritize and rank what the vices were. So when I was building my bench, I, you know, I, I listed them out, you know, leg vice, end vice, whatever. And I put like a little tick mark next to each one as I found this one will work great. This one will work kind of second best. And then you come back and look at the list later. And for me, there was like 36 checks next to a leg vice <laughs> and like 20 next to the end vice and like one next to a front vice and like 10 against to the twin screw. And it was very obvious kind of working through that exercise, what was the best vice for me and the work that I do? Yeah. And the only thing I, I came to an error on that was I just, I grew out of my invice. But the the reasons for putting it in are still very valid. It's just my work style changed, I think. Well, and the interesting thing for me is when, when we've got all these different types of woodworkers, people who like to use different types of tools, we talk about the hybrid, the hand tool only, power tool only, a lot of what... You have to think about the way these tools work. Even if it is a power tool, fundamentally, a lot of times it's doing the same thing that you would be doing with the hand tool. So work holding a lot of the times covers all the same ground. So what makes, although we vary in how the percentage of usage, I'm sure there's a lot of times you're still happy that you've got that tail vice. It's there when you need it. Uh, But ultimately the things that make a, a, a hybrid woodworker happy in a workbench should also be the same things that are present in a handle only uh, user's workbench. That goes back to Chris Schwarz's things on like, will, will it, will it satisfy? What does he say? Ends, edges, or faces or whatever. He has this door test. Yeah. Door test. Can you hold the door to the edge end and face? Yeah. If you can do all three of those with that workbench, it's going to work. And that goes for any tool that you're using. Cause no matter what tool you're using, you always still have to address faces, edges and ends, you know, so it's all across the board going to be the same. Uh, and so I think, you know, people who do use, uh, power tools heavily need a decent workbench too, with good vices on it. You know, it's interesting. You mentioned about the shoulder vice, When I first started woodworking, that was one of the vices I had the biggest, the most difficulty wrapping my head around just because the construction of them looks so complicated. Required like a third leg and... Yeah, and and I'm looking around now and I'm like, you know what? You don't really, I mean, it could just be the circles that we hang out in, but you don't see a lot of discussion about those more traditional shoulder vices as much anymore. And I I, I have to think it's the the champion of the shoulder vice and I think he's the last one. Yeah, it's weird. Well, maybe Klaus, I think probably... Um, Frank Klaus probably still uses one. Well, and hey, if you've got one and you love it, that's another thing. Like we're we're just three people with three different opinions and sometimes it's the same opinion, unfortunately. But if you you, uh, love your shoulder vice and you think it's uh, way better than other vices out there, let us know about that too. We're going to hopefully get a lot of kickback on this that we could share with you guys because we want to make sure you hear more opinions than just ours. Heck yeah. Well, I don't know. Well, sometimes. Sometimes Matt gets a little upset when people talk too much. Stop it. Mine's the best. Too much feedback is bad for Matt. All right. Cool. Well, hopefully that gives you a little bit of information about uh, vices and some of the things that that we like and what you could look for if you're looking to put some vices on your workbench. And uh, Matt, how about you give them the contact info and we'll get out of here. All right. Hey, folks, do you have a comment, a question, or a uh, 
topic suggestion. I don't know why I was having a hard time with that topic suggestion. <laughs> Maybe you have a suggestion for why I can't say topic suggestion. Anyways, you have several different ways to contact us. Leave us a voicemail on Skype. Our username is Wood Talk Online. I just want to get through this. Call our voicemail line at 623-242-5180. Email us at woodtalkonline at gmail.com. Or you can leave us a comment on our Wood Talk Facebook page. And if you're looking for the show notes or downloads from today's show or previous episodes, you're going to find those over at woodtalkshow.com. Now, leave me alone. <laughs> Get out of here, man. You need a respirator for this show. You're inhaling too much of our hot air fumes. I think so. That's <laughs> definitely what's going on here. All right. Well, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll catch you next time. Bye. Batting out of here. <laughs> this podcast is part of the Frog Pants Studios Network. For more information about this and other shows, visit frogpants.com. Audio program so good, it's like you're there.